wilderness, fiery preaching, changed hearts. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. I've heard a lot of sermons in my life, David, but I think if I heard John the Baptist preach, I would sit up and listen. I think I would too. He was a fiery preacher. In some ways, it seems almost like... I don't know, a little bit of a wild man when I read about what he said, but seems so different from earlier episodes when we left John as a little baby, just born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, that miraculous birth to these elderly parents. He does come across as a wild man, not just in what he says, but in other places in the New Testament, it talks about what he ate and what he wore and all paints this image of this wild-eyed prophet. Do you think maybe he spent a lot of time alone? I think he probably did in the wilderness. Possibly his parents did pass away earlier in his life. I mean, they were elderly, and we find him living in the desert. And, wow, his he wore animal skins. He ate wild honey. He ate locusts. Locust. Doesn't sound that appetizing to me. No, not at all. He survived. That was a different environment from most children growing up, from most young people growing up. But here he is preaching to the people. But the way in Luke chapter 3 that John the Baptist is introduced, it's got a familiar ring to it. And the familiar ring is he's a prophet. I mean, everything that is said about him points to that. In fact, at his birth, I think his father did say he would be a prophet of the Most High. And he does live up to that. And everything Luke is saying about John here in Luke chapter 3 says that he's a prophet, just the way he's introduced in verse 2, that the word of the Lord came to John while he was in the desert. And that's the way the prophets were introduced in the Old Testament. And his message is the same as the message of the prophets in the Old Testament. And in all their work, their ministry, they were always calling people back to God. As people, we have a tendency to go or go our own way, to do our own thing, and we do need to have prophets that call us back to God. Well, in these times, uh, in particular, people were looking for something. They were they were looking for the Messiah that had been prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. They were looking for the Messiah. There was this whole air of expectation that the Messiah was to appear. Well, maybe what they were missing was that they actually need to get their heart right. You know, it's one thing to look for something, but it's another thing to be prepared for it. And so John was this voice in the wilderness that his whole ministry was to prepare for the way. So he wasn't the main character. He wasn't the main act, but the one coming after him was, was the main one. And he was trying to to point the people to the one following him. So, David, as we were talking about teaching this lesson, you could almost outline this. The first six verses of Luke chapter 3 are all about that prophet, that he has come with a message. He's preparing the way, preparing the way of the Lord. That's right. 
And Luke is quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, which is a significant text in all of this. The people are in exile, and God wants to bless them, and God wants to bring them back home again, and they needed to get their heart right. In Isaiah chapter 40, there is this voice that appears in the desert, and this voice is to prepare the way of the Lord. And later on in Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 10, it says, Look, the Lord God is coming with power. He will use his power to rule all the people. So we have this image of actually God returning home with his people. In verse 11 in Isaiah chapter 40, it says the Lord takes care of his people like a shepherd, and he gathers the people like lambs. So God always wants to bring his people back to him. He wants to gather them to him. In the context in Isaiah, the people were in exile, but they were coming home because God was bringing them home. And John is fulfilling that role. He's fulfilling that purpose because ultimately God wants to bring his people back home with him, but they needed their hearts to change. They needed to change their way of of being God's people and do it God's way. That was what John was all about. Well, it seems like the setting here, you know, the Pharisees had made the preaching about keeping rules, possibly, and maybe not so much talking about the heart. They had an emphasis on the outward. They came up with a lot of, like you said, rules or regulations about doing this and doing that. And John didn't take that lightly. I mean, that is a serious matter, because if it's just about that, if it's just about that outward and not about the heart, they would not be prepared for the message of Jesus, would they? He knew the people needed to change, and that's why he took that so seriously, and he was firm in his preaching about that. And in fact, I always, as a child, I used to look at this and think, he's calling them snakes, vipers. I mean, he was really serious in his preaching. And those were very negative terms. He was very serious. It's always been about the right heart, but also about the right actions. You know, it's not one or the other. We could emphasize one over the other. Maybe it's getting that balance right. It's having the right heart, but doing what God wants us to do. That reminds me of much later on, James wrote about faith, and he said, faith without actions is, is like a dead faith. It's nothing. And our actions are only reflections of our faith, or they should be reflections of our faith, or they come out of our faith. Well, whatever the people were thinking to begin with, once John started laying it out and talking about this need for change, I, I love this response. It's all the people are saying, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do? You know, they're convicted and, and they want to change. And they're saying, how do I change? And that's an important point for us to notice is that when, you know, John is preaching and he's preaching this message of judgment that they needed to change and they wanted to change because they heard John's preaching, they believed John's preaching, and they made the right response. What shall we do or what can we do? And here in Luke chapter 3, there are different groups of people that come forward and John tells each of them what they should do. And I think the implication is they, they did it. Well, that's right. And doesn't that make us think as teachers, preacher? I mean, you're preaching to an audience of people, a group of people. 
And they're responding to God, but each of them has their unique story, their their life, and and how God's word applies to them. It can be different for different people. The story's the same. The message is the same. Their heart needs to be like is the same, but they live in different situations. And that's what we have here in John's sermon. There were the people, and they were saying, what do we do? He says, share. Share what you have. And that's not a complicated thing, is it? <laughs> I mean, share with what you have with someone who has need. And then there, there were tax collectors. What do we do? And he's saying not to cheat. There's another group that comes to him, the soldiers. So here we have Gentiles in this story. And they say, well, what, what should we do? And he says, don't force people to give you money. Don't extort them. Don't abuse your power over them. You treat them like you would want to be treated. You treat them right. You do what is right. Isn't it interesting, David? Where are the vipers? Where are the snakes? You know, the Pharisees, those that were touting all of this false idea of how to follow God. I mean, I don't see them asking, what do we do? They don't seem to feel a need to change, do they? No, because I think they believe they were the ones who were to tell people other people had to change. They didn't see the message for themselves. I don't want that to ever be my response when I hear the Word of God. I, I do want to be looking inside and thinking, how, can, how does this play out in my life? What do I need to do to change? And I think that's right, Mary. I think that's the way I should respond as well. It's not always easy to respond that way because we don't really like to change. We get used to the way we do things. I, don't, I know I don't like to change, but if we truly have the right heart and want to follow God when we need to change, when I need to change. So again, going back to our outline that we were working on earlier, we've got verses, this is Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, outlining, introducing the prophet John, and then and then the second point would be his sermon and the people's response, and that, that would be verses 7 through 14. And what about this next section, verses 15 through 18? These are important verses, I think, in this whole story, because right now the focus has been on John and his ministry of preparing the way for the Lord. I said earlier, he's not the main act, but he is the one who is going to point others to the main person. And now, This is what we have. We have this transition from John to Jesus. And that's what John's all about, is pointing people to to Jesus. Because of what John was saying and what John was doing, some were thinking that possibly he is this Messiah. But he quickly says, no, 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 I'm not the Messiah. I'm just baptizing with water. I'm just preparing you for the way of the Messiah. But when he comes, he will do more. He will baptize in the Spirit and in fire. He's the main person. He's the one that you should follow and listen to. I love that humility. You know, he is the preparer. He's not the main show. But David, you just tossed around the word baptism a little bit there. So it is John the Baptist. So he's baptizing people. Would that have been like a a really unique thing, somebody being baptized? Had that been done before? In the Jewish world at that time, there were 
baptisms going on, but generally you would baptize yourself, and generally it was for purification. If you were going to engage in worship or wanted to make yourself uh, ritually clean, you would immerse yourself to be ritually clean. So this baptism has some of that idea, but it goes much further. John is baptizing and wanting to baptize all the people, all of Israel, and his baptism was in a view of the one coming after him, and he would be the one that would be the one to rescue them. So, so it was still all about in that preparing the way, it I It was guess. preparing the way, yes. So, I mean, I know later on we'll talk about how baptism has different meanings at different times, but in this case, it's all about preparing hearts, preparing the way for that message that's coming. Right. So John was preaching, and this audience was listening, but John did get in trouble for his preaching later, didn't he? He did. And Luke ends the story about John in verse 19 and 20, sort of let us know what happens to John. I mean, John, we mentioned at the very beginning, he was a fiery, bold preacher, and he preached boldly to the people, boldly to the religious leaders, and also boldly to the political leaders, and that's what got him in trouble. So the story ends in verse 19 and verse 20 when he preached to Herod about the evil things Herod was doing, and Herod responded by putting John in prison. And that's where the story ends right here. And we do know later, I mean, we can read in other passages where that eventually ends. John's life had a, a really harsh ending, didn't it? Had a terrible ending. He was actually beheaded. I mean, it doesn't get much harsher than that, but it's the terrible end to that fiery preacher. Man, he comes on the scene suddenly and has this great impact, and then he leaves quite suddenly. But he did fulfill his ministry. He was obedient. You know, David, it makes me think about how even before he was born, remember when Mary visited Elizabeth, the two mothers, the mother of Jesus, the mother of John the Baptist, and John leaped in the womb when when Jesus came on the scene, the unborn Jesus. But it just makes me think, from the beginning, he was just full of personality. He had a very strong impact. You know, he, he was a bit of a wild man, probably all of his life. And God had a purpose for that. And I think about all those people that we know that oh, sometimes we think, oh, their personality is so big. And I have to say, even my own children, I've thought that at different times. But, you know, those fiery, big personalities, God really can use in mighty ways. And I don't think we should dismiss them at all. Uh, no matter who you are or what kind of personality you have, God can use you. And you may have the personality that, yeah, it may be larger than life, but you may have something that God wants you to do that no one else can do, and God's going to use your personality to do it. But it will not be without trouble. (laughs) John the Baptist had his troubles because of his personality, I think, because of his message. And you may too, but, but I want to encourage those big personalities out there. So, David... We've done a little bit of Bible study. What about the glitter and glue? I'm over here waiting to teach this lesson to children. What can children get out of this lesson of this 
fiery preacher in the desert. Well, I mean, I'm not going to going to go without saying, wouldn't it be fun to eat locusts? But probably you won't do that in Bible class. But you could eat honey sandwiches <laughs> and think about what John did, how he lived. But I think I'd want to get to the message that John was preaching, that message of repentance. You know, that's such a key, important fact in the Christian life, this idea of our heart and changing our actions and making sure our heart and our actions and um, the Word of God are all in tune. So I want children to understand what repentance is. There are a couple of good things online. If you go to missionbibleclass.org, I've put some links in there. One I think maybe is more, it's probably easy to understand, is a U-turn. Talking about repentance being like a U-turn, you know, you're going down the road one way, And you see you're going the wrong way. You realize it. And just realizing it isn't enough. It's when you actually take that U-turn and turn back the other way. That's like repentance. We're going one way, we turn, and we go back the other way. And that's how I've understood repentance as the U-turn image. And actually, that's how the Old Testament prophets would use that term as well when they talked about repent. It's this idea of turn, turn. It's like you need to make a 180-degree turn the other way. And it's like you're doing it your way, going in one direction, and it's, it's a dead end. So you need to make that complete turn toward God. And, you know, it's things like restitution and reconciliation and all those Making it right seems to me like is part of repentance. It's it's changing. Yes, changing what you do. And that's what John is saying when people were coming to him and saying, what should we do? It's making this change. So it's not just feeling sorry in your heart. It's actually doing something, and it's doing something different than what you were doing. Right. And I think if I was doing crafts, the obvious to me in this one is something with hearts because we're talking about changing hearts. So I'd, if you like to do crafts, that's a good one. What would you do in adult class? One thing that in an adult class we could possibly do is explore a little bit more about John's, his prophetic career and how it connects with the story in the Old Testament. It kind of makes more connections there. If you're in that audience and you came to John and John said, what should we do? What do you think John would say to you, what areas of your life do you need to change in? That's a a conviction, isn't it? To go straight to the heart. People came to him and they said, what should we do? And he told them. And so what would you do? What do you think John would say to you? So that's a question, I think, that would be a very good discussion question. And as I'm just reading that passage, actually, when I'm reading the Bible, I I think that's something I I need to be asking, what should I do? It's interesting, in each of these situations, when the people ask, what should we do, what should I do, John's answer relates to how they treat other people. So that's what I should be concerned about. And so what should I do? I should be thinking about how I'm treating others, how I relate to others. So John is preparing the way, and it's interesting. In a way, I feel like that's my job as a teacher. I want to prepare the way for the 
children in my class. I want to make make it easier, more hopeful that they would have hearts that are soft and, and they're ready to hear what God has for their life and what He has to teach them. So I'm hoping that you, as you've opened your Bible with David and I here today, that you feel moved and convicted like we do to take what we've learned and apply that in our classes when we teach children and even as we speak to children in our lives. So I pray that the Bible study leads to the glitter and glue of your Bible class as you touch the hearts of children. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.